0: And welcome back to The Breakfast Show. It is currently 8.04am. You are listening. I'm looking outside our studio window at a rainy and cold... Newcastle, luckily I've got my, my rain jacket in the car, but I'm going to have to run out there when we, when well, we finish Well, that's pointless show. then. <laughs> so I kind of I stitched myself up. But, uh, yeah, praise God. And right now we are going to do a number of things. We're going to do a Bible study. We're going to look at some text messages. But first we are going to have our next clue for the quiz.
1: All righty. This one is well, the fourth quiz. What was the name of the cave in the field Sarah was buried in? What was the name of the cave in the field Sarah was buried in? 0491 064 669, if you know the answer. You'll go into Tomorrow's Draw, Win the Big Prize, Exodus Myth or History by David Roll. Really excellent book. If you could tell us the name of the cave in the field Sarah was buried in.
0: Nice. 0491 064 is the number to call. Let's have a look at some text messages that you guys have been sending in, some things you've been saying about the show. Wow. Dude, just opening with some compliments. Loved Monica's story of the helicopter tail dog. Great <laughs> yeah. way to start the day.
1: Oh, I try and make that dog so happy, just so I can watch it. It's, it's, it
0: can do its helicopter <laughs> thing. Well, it's not necessarily a helicopter. I think it's more of like a like a propeller plane, right? Well,
1: the, the, Cause, cause, like her, her tail like roaches round, and because she sticks her bum in the air to wag it, oh. but she actually puts her head down and she stretches oh. out her front leg.
0: So it does look like a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like, she looks like she's got.
1: And she lift-off, bum first, and then, like, (laughs) fly around the room
0: with her head hanging
1: down and her paws hanging down. That's what it looks like because she wags it really fast and goes, and you're expecting lift-off at any second. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, we've got a, another text message here. I would take the smell of dirt and plants after rain any day over lo- what Lawson was talking about the other day. And that's specifically <laughs> in reference to how I was talking about how awesome the beach is and how awesome sand is. And this person, Brayden, hates sand hates sand so much. And then I said, I'm like, what, do you want a concrete beach? And then he was like, no, I want a grass beach. <laughs> uh, but he's like, yeah, I'd rather have mud and dirt and grass after the rain than anything else, like the smell.
1: It sounds like Braden would benefit from going to um, Europe because a lot of the beaches there are actually pebble beaches, mm. which at first you think is going to be horrible when you start walking on it. Then you get into it and you realize sand doesn't get anywhere.
0: Oh, the other thing that he was referencing here, so I did a story about how there is a museum in Europe that basically creates ancient smells, okay? Like, oh. it takes, like, ancient, like, not just ancient, but, like, like old, like, books and whatnot that have been, oh. like, kept, like, preserved yeah. in cases, and it, like goes in with, like, these AI sniffers to see what chemicals are there, and then in the museum you can, like, step into a room that's, like, based on the Industrial Revolution in England and you will smell the smells. Now, they were saying, like, I was like, this is so interesting because you get to have that experience, but Lyle and... Braden and a lot of listeners are saying wait isn't that super gross like who would want to <laughs> who would want to walk into an industrial era or even like a medieval era european town and smell what's going me? on there
1: i want to but, i don't care how gross it is Yeah, me but up. that's the thing i'm exactly the yeah. same
0: i'm like oh but it's the experience and i'm like oh it'd be cool if we could get the smell of ancient egypt or something oh, but yeah. i think that would be almost impossible like
1: yeah, that'd be really, really hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, be keen, though. but essentially, like, Braden is saying, nah, well, I would rather smell the dirt and the mud after the rain than t- um, tobacco from the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm,
1: That's like, fair, cool. I'm like,
0: fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Cool, it's Braden. like the same. Uh, <laughs> rain release of fragrant plants when we consider that most of the plants today seem to have lost all their fragrance due to man trying to improve what mm. God has made. It's still good to know that God's creation still trumps all.
1: Amen. Amen to that. And so true. So many roses from the florist don't smell like mm. anything anymore.
0: Oh, this is one uh, that was in regards to the story that we told about the head of the satanic church in South Africa becoming a Christian. It says, God's love can reach anyone. If he can reach the high Satanist priest, he can reach you. Amen. Why don't you give it a go? He won't let you down. God will actually lift you up.
1: What a takeaway. And Love I
0: it. I totally agree. That's and,
1: our listeners doing our job for us right there. And I think Make like
0: cool. we can agree with this because we know. like We've had that experience. like Both of us, producer Shell, the person sending in this text message, like... People have this experience of being far from God and then the love of God, the truth of God's word coming into their lives and totally and utterly changing them. And you might be thinking, no, that can't happen to me. Well, that's the thing. Like, if it can happen to us, if it can happen to the person sending this text message, and if it can happen to the high priest of the satanic church in South Africa... It can happen to you. Amen. Praise God. Sri Lanka, 87 countries are going to have similar difficulties. Not having enough food will do that. I hope their situation will improve, but not sure how. World famine will hit us, all of us, in the next few months or years. It's part of the plan from the New World Order predicted by the Bible in these last days. Now, I don't know how much the New World Order is involved, but I do know that food shortage is definitely something that can take place and i do know that it's something that comes from like it can come from lack of arability ability in you know a country like you know lack of land that actually grows stuff uh, but i was talking to a farmer recently and he was like no we actually we have the ability to grow enough food for everyone yet like over and a sixth of the population of the world f- suffers from food shortage and it's like well why does that happen well it's due to you know, economic instability and and ultimately the means to be able to create this food, and I, I just see it as like, oh, like you know, this is this is very much a a problem that we're seeing at the end of time that could be quelled, but isn't. Yeah, because it was predicted. Yeah, like.
1: Yeah, this—I mean—this is the result of people relying on the supermarket completely and wholly huh. and solely for all their food needs. Yeah. yeah, if you maybe grow your own, like start a veggie patch or a fruit patch in your backyard, you might end up living mm-hmm. like a king for a while there, while everyone else is. You know, if this crisis hits,
0: that's right. Well, it's definitely hitting Sri Lanka and a number of countries at the moment. Uh, praise, uh, praise the Lord um, for that priest getting out of the satanic church. God works in amazing ways, and true love wins. Amen. That's a bit of appropriation of love wins that you know we see within you know certain corners of society that they're pro- being proponents for. But yeah, we say true love wins. The love of God wins. Mm-hmm. And finally, here, the waiting time problem. It's only a problem for those who don't believe in the word of God. Mutations and natural selection don't produce such a beautiful creation of humanity. We are created in the image of God. All the science in the world will not change that. Actually, they are just simply rejecting true science, um, you know, that they're finding. And yeah, I think this was the big point that, that Dom Batten was making. I asked him the question. It's like, well, if we have such a sturdy, argument that we are losing genetic information that we don't get it takes 84 million years to gain genetic information that in you know thus it sends every model of evolution that we have into the far reaches of impossibility how is this affecting evolutionary science and and literature and essentially it's like well you know they can't include this information so they just assume that you know, it wouldn't be a factor, it wouldn't affect. Like, even though it's a very real problem, they say, "Oh well, error catastrophe." You know, the fact that we're losing more genetic information, they would gain that. Then, then we're gaining, and if we have deep time, then we would die hundreds of times over. Like, we would be, we would cease to exist as, as a, as a species. It's like they just have to assume that that's never happened until now. But that assumption isn't. Im- is just that, an assumption. It's not based on, oh, well, we see this and we see that. No, it's just like, oh, well, it can't have happened because then my model's wrong. Yeah, And then the evolutionary establishment no longer exists.
1: That'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, you know, you know what, you know what, but you know what, though? And mm. I see this, this is a problem uh, in the science world. This is a problem also in the in the church world. This is a problem in every world. <laughs> People want money.
1: Yeah, so true.
0: And as a result, they're willing to say anything mm-hmm. to get it. And mm-hmm. if your credentials and funding as a scientist continues to increase because you make a bunch of assumptions and ultimately leave information out and are dishonest and un- uh, like distrue, like untrue to to what you actually find, well, then you're going to do it. The yeah. same thing happens in-, in in religion all the time. Yeah, you know? uh, there's a lot of theologians who are atheists, mm-hmm. but they, you know claim to keep believing in God and being able, and, and pastors as well, like who just simply aren't really believers, but they will claim to keep having that experience so that they can get paid. That's their job. It's an, it's an unfortunate circumstance and we should pray for those people and hope that they change, just like we saw, you know, the head of the satanic church change and accept Jesus. We pray for change, you know, within within the Christian church and also on the outside as well. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But right now, we are going to get into our Bible study. Have you got your Bible there?
1: Yeah. Crack
0: it open. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to spend our time in the first chapter, starting in verse 1, actually, and just working our way through and seeing, you know, some counsel that Peter is giving to Peter you know, the various Christians. Peter was one of the leaders of the Christian church coming from, like, he he had his headquarters, he was kind of holed up in Jerusalem, you know, spending time from there, leading out in, in the Christian church. And, uh, yeah, this is a letter that he sends to the brethren from all over the place, you know, to all of the different people that are Christians right throughout the world. It has a very similar tone to the book of James because James does... Pretty much the exact same thing in terms of, like, James is one of the leaders of the Christian church within Jerusalem, sending a letter out to the entirety of the world, and Peter here is doing the same. Now, who was Peter? Like what, what? What kind of what kind of dude was he?
1: He was a disciple.
0: Yeah, that's right. What kind of disciple was he? You know, was he like one of the seventy? Was did he like kind of know Jesus? No, he was
1: like right in the thick of it.
0: He was he was the man. Yeah, like here, Peter, James, and John—they were the innermost three disciples. You had the inner circle. You had yeah. the three, then the twelve, then you know the 70, 120, and then you know the Christian church grew from there. But um, yeah, like Peter was one of the first disciples called. He was he was the denier of Christ, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, one of the leaders of the Christian church after Christ's departure, and, and truly, you could probably say one of the people who was closest to Jesus while he was on Earth. And he's sending a letter out to the brethren from all over over the place um, to give them encouragement and to give them hope. Now, let's start in First P- Peter chapter one and verse. One. Do you want to read like one and two for us?
1: This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace.
0: Mm, Awesome. So, Peter here is writing this book to the, in my Bible, it says the dispersion. In your Bible, did it say the scattered or did it, what did it say? Who are these people? Like, why are they in the various places that they're living in?
1: You know, they're foreigners mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, just, it doesn't say whether they've been scattered or, like, they just said that God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in these, in these different providences. Yes, yeah.
0: so they're living as foreigners in different mm. provinces. So they've been dispersed out yeah. to these places. They, have, they were previously somewhere probably closer to Jerusalem, Christians around that place. In my Bible it says, to, you know, um, to the pilgrims of the dispersion.
1: Ah, which is these people
0: have been dispersed now why is it that these christians who were previously in jerusalem have ended up in these various different nations in asia minor in greece and in europe
1: good question
0: well like yeah it is a good question it's like well why is he writing to all these people outside when he could write to people in here now we know that paul has been going around and you know, making churches out of all of these places, but this is specifically talking about the foreigners who live in those lands or those who have been dispersed to these lands. So how is it that they ended up there? the singular word that gives a complete answer of how they ended up in these various places is the word... Persecution. Persecution, that's right. Yeah, they were persecuted. They were bitterly and heavily persecuted. And we see this this start of the dispersion happening in Acts chapter 8, when the stoning of Stephen took place. Oh, Acts chapter 9, I believe. Yeah, the stoning of Stephen takes place. Um, and then from there, it says, you know, then the brethren were scattered abroad.
1: So they're kind of like religious refugees.
0: Essentially. They've left Jerusalem because after Stephen was killed, the first Christian martyr, they all just leave. They're like, the reason they leave, you know, uh, again, Peter and James and and many of the apostles stay in Jerusalem, but many of the Christians fearing persecution get out. Um, Now, were they being unfaithful in their leaving? No, actually, because they were scattered uh, God enabled them to be able to share the gospel in all the all of these places, and we see, uh, you know, throughout Paul's missionary journeys that he would sometimes walk into these towns, like for example Thessalonica, and there would be disciples there. He's mm. like, "Hey, where are you guys from?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're from Jerusalem. Like, where? <laughs> but we we ended up here because of the dispersion that took place." Now, this is who Peter is writing to. Now, do you think these guys living as religious refugees in a place outside of their original home. Do you think they're going through maybe a tough time?
1: <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: yeah. like you know, we're, we're reading about some of the, the issues and the tensions that are happening in, in Sri Lanka at the moment and, uh, you know, the economic crisis and the way that people are suffering. Like, these were suffering people right here. Um, they were literally persecuted. They were, like, if they're coming from Jerusalem, they're most likely Jewish people. Like ethnically and religiously Jewish people who have religiously converted over to Christianity and as a result have been dispersed like again, this is a decision that they've made that if anything could just be considered a formality like okay, you've changed religions it's not something that they have to do it's not something that they that you know they were forced to do it's something that they wanted to do because they were believers in jesus they were believers in christ and so as a result you know they've been dispersed they've been pushed out of their home country i would definitely say that these are a suffering people 100 percent. like that's what they're going through now let's see some of the advice that uh you know some of the conversation some of the advice that peter begins to give to them let's start in verse three and you want to read from verse three to verse six for us
1: All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while.
0: Awesome. Okay. It's
1: very encouraging.
0: It is incredibly encouraging. Like Peter just opens up with just waxing lyrical and eloquent about how incredible it is that God has saved us. Like you know consider like you know the salvation that we now receive um that, the you know, in my bible it says uh in verse 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you like consider what god has done to be able to achieve our salvation to be able to to give us the, you know this amazing gift like consider that um who is also kept you, uh, in my Bible in verse five, it says, kept you by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed, uh, you know, for the last time, like in the, in the last time, like ultimately he's like, wow, think about all of this amazing, abundant reward that you have waiting in heaven and the way that God has been working in you now. For what reason? Uh, (laughs) And it it like, and you know, it says greatly rejoice, um, because in, in my Bible, it says, you know, you have been grieved by various trials, like, these people are suffering people, and Peter is saying, well, in response to that suffering, what do we need to do? It's like, you know, if we focus on the suffering, if we just spend time dwelling in the suffering, yeah, like, people don't last. Like, everyone has a breaking point, but he says, hey, look to what we have in heaven. Like, this this is the, the counsel that he is giving to these people who have been forced out of their homes and dispersed all over you know, Asia Minor and Europe, he's like, hey, the reason you went through this, the reason you identify as Christian and the reason you believe in God is because you have something waiting for you that's better that overcomes the current situation and the trials that you are in today. And, you know, do you think this is a bit of a lesson for us?
1: It always is.
0: Mm. Do you think like like I, I bring up Sri Lanka before, but do you think that we are currently suffering through various trials mm. in the world that we live in? absolutely even here in Australia, in a developed country? Mm. Like really, like we are so blessed. To live here, you know, to live in a place where there's relative freedom of religion, more so than a lot of other places in the world, uh, where there is money, there are creature comforts and whatnot. But but simultaneously, you can, you know, have all the money and the creature comforts and the food. Um, And then you can be evacuated from your house four times in one year because of flooding. If you live down in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Like, the trials of this world are truly faced by all. And it doesn't matter how secure you think you are. You seriously can't hide from them. But to get through them, the, you know, the only option that we have is as, you know, what Peter is revealing here is to consider the salvation that we've been given. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have come to the time now where we are going to do our final question for the quiz.
1: In which book is Jesus referred to as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Mm, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, give us a text or a call.
0: Is the is the answer the Bible?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. What? I mean this book is in the Bible. Ah, okay, okay, okay. But in which book is Jesus referred to as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Which book of the Bible I should say? Mm. Yeah, good
0: things. Yeah. Awesome. And if you know the answer to that one, you can give us a call or a text. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine and you'll be able to win Exodus, Myth or History by David Roll. Hey, I just had a text message that came in that was just just from Braden. He's like, Lawson, I was gonna say you got the wrong story. I would like to clarify I don't Don't hate the sand, just the fact that it gets in everything. And walking across hot sand hurts, but pebbles wouldn't be any better. But grass would be.
1: No, pebbles are a lot better. Right, you have to try it out.
0: No, I, don't, I, I just, agree you know, with... Yeah, when
1: I first got to... Like, I was swimming in, like, off the coast of uh, the French Riviera. and oh, um, okay. Listen to me go. <laughs> and also Croatia, where it's like all pebble beaches. that don't have sand beaches. And when you get there, you're like, this is going to be horrifying. Like You feel like you're going across rocks in barefoot. But it's actually really great. Like It's not that hard on your feet. And then sand doesn't get anywhere. You just put your towel down and you sit on your towel... But then once you're in the water like you don't have to like dwarf or four and yeah. it's, it's really good. like it's so clean and then when, you, when you leave, you just pick up your towel and you go and there's like no mess, no fuss, no no stuffing around.
0: There was a pebble beach where I lived in Katna and I really disliked it.
1: Maybe it was the wrong kind of pebble beach. Yeah, it,
0: <laughs> They're also, like smooth pebbles. But then also... they uh, like little, little pebbles. Down in Almeria. Now, Almeria in Spain is where they film all the spaghetti westerns, or where they did film it. It's basically a desert in Spain beside the beach. And it's like when they made the spaghetti westerns, like making, like Italians making western movies pretend to be on the frontier, they would go to Almeria. But it's right next to the beach, and the beach there's really pretty, except there's rocks in the beach everywhere, and you'll just be running on the beach and then kick your toe on a massive rock. Like it's the worst.
1: The Pebble Beach just solved that problem because it's all rocks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think the only way for us to solve this is if we just pack up the studio and go to France. <laughs> Let's go, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, on Bastille Tomorrow Day. Tomorrow
1: we'll be broadcasting from the Pebble Beach. <laughs> That's right.
0: Well, hey, hey. also, I wanted to remind you guys, 491 064669 is the number that you can call or text if you have a question. We do a section called Question of the Day. If you have any questions, <coughs> text them in and we'll answer them.
1: Live on air. Well, we'll give it a red-hot crack, but you can ask any questions about the Bible, about religion, about beliefs, any kind of burning questions that you have, give us a text or a call, 491
0: Awesome stuff. Well, hey, let's get back into 1 Peter and consider what he's talking about in regards to trials. Let's go to, we. let's pick it up in chapter 6, and you want to read from, uh, sorry, not chapter 6, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, and you want to read from verse 6 to verse 9 for us.
1: So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to en- endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. When your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much joy, much praise and gl- glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls.
0: Mm. Now, the point that it's making here, it's like, okay, you people have been dispersed. Remember your salvation because you're going to suffer trials. But actually, the trials are good for you. They're actually very good for you. They're actually very necessary for you. Uh because like they will refine your faith. They will actually grow you in what you believe. I, I just got a text message from a listener who, who wrote this. They said the expulsion of Christian Jews from Jerusalem was actually a prophecy. Christians left Jerusalem just before the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus in AD 70. Not one Christian died in the destruction of Jerusalem. And this is true. This is true. But it's also like they, they left Jerusalem, like there were Christians already leaving Jerusalem years before the destruction of Jerusalem. And we assume that 1 Peter not mentioning the destruction of Jerusalem means that it was written before the destruction of Jerusalem because Peter would have been writing from Jerusalem. And so, like, yeah, definitely I, I agree with this text message, and we see that actually God was saving a lot of the Christians by getting them out of Jerusalem because it would be destroyed by AD 70. Uh, but as well, that initial wave of Christians that left Jerusalem left as a result of persecution, uh, that they had to leave or they were, like, they were literally just being being killed by, by the Jews. But now, again, if, if we reflect on here, think about it. They're receiving all these terrible trials, right? And they're going through it, but ultimately their faith is being refined and they're growing in faith so that then they can receive more trials, do more work for God, uh, be just as powerful as a witness and ultimately reflect Christ to the people around them. And I think that, and again, this text message brings up the destruction of Jerusalem. How necessary would that be if you then as a Christian who has left Jerusalem and has already experience trials find out that your homeland has been totally and utterly destroyed by the Romans and you know, your race is being persecuted I feel like this persecution and this leaving of Jerusalem and the persecution that they received inside and outside of Jerusalem preceding its destruction was definitely good for their faith because it led them to stand strong in a time in which Jews would eventually have no hope, realizing that, hey, it's not our connection to Jerusalem that gives us hope. It's not the fact that we have like a a sacred, amazing temple there that gives us hope that we do sacrifices in. No, it's Our God, who has given us salvation through Jesus Christ, it actually means we can be anywhere and have hope. We can be anywhere and be his followers and his witnesses. We have no need to be discouraged when these things happen. In fact, we know they're coming for us because we're Christians. We're, We're truly following God. We're endeavoring to follow God in a time... That is very demanding and treacherous to be able to do so, but we'll do so regardless because we believe that God has saved us. He's given everything to us that we could possibly need to be able to follow Him. And, uh, and, and friends, um, uh, yeah, in terms of the world that we live in, And, you know, the comfort and and whatnot that we currently experience here in the first world where, well, many people aren't experiencing that around the world as a result of their faith. You know, we could get Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs on our show almost every day of the week to share a new story. We get him on once a month, but we could get him on every week to share a new story of Christians being persecuted in a different area of the world for their faith, whether it's Afghanistan, China, North Korea, you know, any one of the a lot of the southeast asian countries um yeah we we could go through like all the persecution that christians are receiving but r- regardless it's like okay but actually you know is this world our home you know should we be surprised that oh it just as the jews did at this time like we'll get forced out of places of living or persecuted or whatever it may be for our belief in christ no firstly this has already happened but secondly it also means that we are looking forward to a time in which we will have a true home, where there will be no more force, where there will be, you know, no more um, persecution, and that home is heaven. That's the counsel that God gives to these people at this time, and that's the counsel that we should hold on to as well. We look forward to a time in which there will be no persecution, and that's what gives us the strength and the ability to get through persecution today, to get through our trials, our temptations, and our struggles Today, that's the power that we have, knowing that, wow, Jesus is coming back soon. He has saved me and he's given me everything so that I can experience his love. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are going to get into some answers for the quiz.
1: Okay, so question one was complete the verse Faith without works is dead. Uh, Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Higgion in the Bible is in the book of Psalms. Uh, Sarah was buried in the cave called Machpelah um, in, a, in a field. And uh, the book that you will find Jesus referred to as Kings and Lord of Lords is Revelation.
0: Mm. Mm. So if you got those answers correct, congratulations. But right now it is time for... Question
1: of the day! How will we see the sun, moon, and stars in heaven if there is no night? This question comes from our listener, Karen. Thanks, Karen, for sending that one in.
0: It's an interesting question. Hey, um, the the presence of the sun, moon, and stars and how they relate to days and times and night and day and all of these different things has been one that has perplexed people from the Bible. Uh, This starts all the way back in Genesis because in Genesis, the first day, light is created. There's a couple more days of creation. And then on the fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars are created. And people are like, wait, how are there days if there's no sun, moon, and stars? What we see there, uh, what we can see from, like, this account in Genesis is that days aren't necessarily defined by whether the sun rises or not. That's a symptom of a day going past. But essentially, God gave... Uh, what like God had a period of time that he called a day, what we would call 24 hours. The fact that it's 24 hours, it could be 10 hours, it could be one hour. You know, the 20, the division of a day into 24 hours is an arbitrary division, but what we understand to be 24 hours, that period or length of time, was a day. That was then a symptom of that definition was that there was sun, moon, and stars that were created to cycle uh within that day particularly you know the sunrise and the sunset as the earth spins now when it comes to revelation the bible says in verse 5 of chapter 22 there shall be no night there they shall need no lamp nor light or the light of the sun or for the lord gives them light and they sh- and they shall reign forever and ever so essentially there won't be any night in heaven, This is what Revelation is putting forth. There won't be night in heaven because there's no... There won't be a night because God's light will always be shining. Now, we are living in a situation in which that is not currently happening. You know, there is night because we don't see God's light. But it's interesting that in various different times in which the presence of God was among people, it actually gave them light throughout the night. Whether you think of the pillar of fire in the book of, you know... Exodus that followed the Israelites, or whether you you know you see the angels coming and meeting the shepherds and giving off a great light that startled them. Wherever God's like you know visible presence is, there is always overwhelming light. And in in the context of heaven, there will be overwhelming light around. Now, does that mean that sun, moon, and stars will not exist? I don't necessarily think so. The reason I don't think so is because. There was sun, moon, and stars in the original creation of the world. And was God's visible presence amongst the original creation? The answer is yes, because the first thing that God said when in creating the universe was, let there be light before he created a sun, moon, and stars. Now God's visible, you know, His presence is there with them. Therefore, there won't necessarily be a night because days won't be defined by the sun going up or down, but rather that 24-hour period, the next question comes up, will there be days in heaven? We know that there will be because uh, Isaiah 66, when talking about heaven, says that we will meet from Sabbath to Sabbath, new moon to new moon, which is defined by days. So there will be days. There will be 24-hour periods of time that we will go through. But, you know, will there be a completely pitch-black night? Well, it seems to indicate from Revelation 22 that there won't be. Does that mean there will be no such thing as... Darkness, Like, is literal darkness like the presence of evil? I don't entirely think so. I think there could potentially be dark places. And I think that we'll have access to the rest of the universe where we'll be able to see that. But in terms of our Earth, I think there will be sun, moon, and stars. I think that that they'll be around. We'll be able to see them and explore them. It's going to be amazing because they're going to be in heaven. But there won't necessarily be a nighttime on Earth because God's presence will literally be there. And that's the point that Revelation, the last two chapters, makes. It's like, you know, behold God, his presence is now on earth with men. You know, he will be their God, they will be his people. That's the point of Revelation. Does it mean that sun, moon and stars won't exist? No, I think they probably will. And we'll go out and be able to check them out and look at them. It'll be, it'll be sick. It'll be awesome. Wait, I just have two quick text messages here. The first one is, please note Lyle and Lawson. So this is actually someone listening to the delayed broadcast. They're listening to yesterday's show. A light year is a Measure of distance, not time. And that's from Pam. And, yes, I agree. Like, a, a light year is uh, the distance that light would travel in one year. So, yes, it is a measure of distance that is related to time, but ultimately a measure of distance, I agree. And are the are other text message here from Freco, that was from Pam, from Freco, Freco says, Our perfect vision will be better than any telescope. And we've been Amen. talking about the James Webb telescope looking into deep space. And... Uh, I think we'll be able to see things very well. It's going to be awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, guys, remember to go throughout this day, live faith, talk faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ.